Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So one of my favorite things to do on the show, it's just kind of a fun topic, it's fun to do this, is when we get a chance to kind of cast somebody as a villain and when Dog Nation gets to rally around somebody who said something crazy. And listen, we try to do all this in fun because the truth is this is just sports. We're not going to treat anybody like they're a real villain. And, you know, what somebody says that may be against our favorite team is not, you know, it's really not anything to be all that upset about. But in a sporting sense, it's kind of fun to have rivals. It's kind of fun to want to prove people wrong, kind of fun to want to vanquish foes. And over the course of time, we've had a few opportunities where we've been able to do this, and hopefully we keep it in fun. But, you know, we do like to call out folks every now and then, save what does the folks say. We like to keep receipts around here about what folks say, and uh, it's just kind of a, a good thing to do. In, in fact, I was thinking this morning about something that we did many years ago, a guy that we probably cast in the role of villain, who probably is actually a pretty nice guy, you know, honesty compels me to admit, but we've cast him as a villain before, and lo and behold, if he's not also a villain here once again. So let me go back to 2016 here for a moment. Now, the start of the 2016 season was a very big deal here around Dog Nation. It was the start of the Kirby Smart era. It was his first game as coach, and George was playing in the old venue known as, as the Georgia Dome against North Carolina. This was a very big very big deal, right? Georgia playing the neutral site game against North Carolina. It was kind of a big deal even before all that, but it was certainly a big deal to to start the smart air. And I remember all the energy and the excitement that was there in the Georgia Dome folks wanted to see smart. They wanted to see the debut of Jacob Eason. It was also the return from injury of Nick Chubb. So there was a lot of storylines inside the old stadium known as the Georgia Dome at the time as Georgia got ready to start the smart era against the Tar Heels. Now, Georgia won that day, but leading into the game, obviously folks didn't really know quite what was going to happen. And there's a guy named Ryan McGee from ESPN who went on television and made a very big, bold prediction about that game at the time that got a lot of Georgia fans fired up. And if you want to go back to, like, say, it's like episode 256 or so on, on this show. We're now in, like, well past 1,600 episodes now. But So this is a long time ago in Dog Nation Daily history, around 200-something, episode 200-something, we reacted to something that Ryan McGee said on ESPN television about what he did not think Nick Chubb was going to do and what he thought a North Carolina player was going to do in comparison to Nick Chubb. This was very juicy at the time, and it certainly cast Ryan McGee as a villain in the eyes of many of the Dog Nation Daily. They were only listeners at the time. We weren't on video, but many Dog Nation Daily listeners did not like what Ryan McGee had to say. As a way of setting up our conversation today, let's go back in time briefly and hear this Ryan McGee from ESPN way back in 2016. This weekend, North Carolina will not only beat Georgia, but a Heisman campaign will officially start. There will be a lot of running back talent in the Georgia Dome. The reality is, sorry, Georgia, your history is what it is, but the best running back in that game this weekend on Saturday afternoon is going to be the guy we're in life with. Now, isn't that great? I mean, first of all, that's like tv hot take 101 it's like the you know you got to point to the camera sorry georgia your history is what it is but the present tense it's all about 
some random guy from North Carolina that I can't even remember. He's the guy that's going to uh, be better than Nick Chubb or better than Sony Michelle. And it's kind of funny. I had to go like digging through the uh, box score on this just to kind of see because the guy that he was talking about, and honestly, I could not remember his name, but it's Elijah Hood. That's the guy that he was predicting was going to have a – I mean, this is – crazy to even think about this in retrospect a Heisman campaign was going to begin against Georgia Elijah Hood who as I said before I mean I follow college ball pretty close I can't even remember his name he had 10 carries 72 yards that day uh the sorry Georgia the guy that was supposed to be in the in the uh in the shadow of Elijah Hood was supposed to be Nick Chubb Chubb had 222 yards rushing and two touchdowns including the beautiful kind of game winning touchdown there at the end where he took the sweep on the outside and just went all the way to the house and that that was the story of all of that and it was just really fun at the time and it, i mean it's one of those things like years later you kind of almost forget it was a big enough deal that chubb was even asked about this post game and like nick chubb was kind of the way that he always was you know very humble and whatever else but uh mcgee saying what he said at the time was certainly getting a lot of attention there in that game a lot of georgia fans were fired up nick chubb completely vanquished any idea that he would be the inferior running back compared to some you know a guy from some random acc team and it was all really funny and as i said before ryan mcgee kind of cast in the villain role from espn in the eyes of our audience well lo and behold here we are in 2022 many years later and ryan mcgee as i said before i mean i think most folks would say he's probably you know decent dude you know nice guy but he is once again going to be in the villain role a little bit on this show connor riley uh we'll talk to him more about this when he joins us a little bit later on but connor had a great story up at dognation.com this morning looking at espn he'll take like its panel of writers and they'll do like these round table like things and i think this is actually a pretty good way to have a college ball conversation ongoing in the uh, off season because one guy says something somebody else kind of says something in response to that and you get a lot of different viewpoints expressed and one of the viewpoints that got expressed at espn.com that connor wrote about was a little skepticism on the part of mcgee about george for the upcoming season now i want to read this and i want to kind of take it at face value and there's one thing in particular i want to point out to you about this that i think the media kind of ignores about georgia and it's not because they hate georgia it's i think they have a different bias which i'll explain in a moment but nonetheless it's kind of interesting this is what mcgee said and you can read more about this at dognation.com he says about georgia the upcoming season big pieces are missing from that historically great defense and stetson bennett's time as a folk hero among the fan base seems to have lasted about a week well uh, will the bulldogs win the sec east probably he says will they win double digit games and play in atlanta in december more than likely he says will that be enough he asks not a chance ryan mcgee says at espn.com about georgia for the upcoming season now here are a few things that i think need to be pointed out about this i'm going to kind of go from like least important to most important first of all and we've now said this a few times on the show when ryan mcgee says that big pieces are missing from a historically great defense meaning that this year's defense can't possibly rival last year's defense here's what's important to note that is not the goal for georgia this upcoming year i think you can look at the 2021 georgia defense i think we would all say this it is in the argument for greatest defenses of all time maybe it is maybe it's second best maybe it's whatever else but if you wanted to like you know get into a bar you know argument about best defenses ever if you wanted to argue for georgia last season you have plenty of ammunition on your side to be able to do that it is at least in the conversation for greatest defense of all time and folks will look at this 2022 defense and say it can't possibly be that good 
But here's the deal. That's a false comparison. The goal for Georgia this upcoming season is not to match defensively what it did in 2021. It doesn't have to be the best of all time. It just simply needs to be as good as it needs to be. That's all it, That's all that has to happen. It doesn't have to be as good as last year. It needs to be as good as required for 2022. So when you look at the Georgia defense this season in comparison to what it achieved you know that that unit achieved last season I think you're setting up a false comparison I think you're setting up a little bit of a trap uh for Georgia to fall into because the goal is not to match some sort of historical feat the goal is to perform well in the present tense it simply needs to be as good as it needs to be right now but ultimately there's something even more important than that when Ryan McGee says can Georgia win the SEC East yeah probably can they win double digit games yeah maybe but that won't be good enough so let's take this literally for a moment and Here's the one thing where I think the media kind of does not want to really acknowledge something about Georgia. So he says, winning the SEC East, okay, winning double-digit games, all right, that's almost conceding a regular season loss. Now, let me ask you this. Now that you're going to say, well, this sounds like you know a Georgia fan talking, and this sounds like the kind of thing you'd expect a Georgia show to say, but let's use facts as our guide here on this. Let's use the evidence we have with our own eyes, with, you know, the, the, the records of previous years. Do you see any foreseeable scenario, any foreseeable scenario at all, where Georgia likely loses a, a regular season game in 2022? And if you're not a Georgia fan, you know, maybe this is where, you know, you rush into so oh, I see one, I see one. But where's it going to come from? I mean, make the case for someone that Georgia plays actually beating Georgia, having more points at the end of the game than Georgia does. Oregon at the beginning of the season if that happens for a West Coast team traveling east to begin a year it will be the first time these Pac-12 teams historically don't play very well at all east of the Mississippi River when they come over here and that's one of the reasons why they want to play more of those neutral site non-conference games on their part of the country Las Vegas and places like that but Oregon with a brand new head coach brand new quarterback in a situation where Pac-12 teams typically don't do well is that team really going to pull an upset against George I don't ask that rhetorically I ask that literally I would suggest the answer to that question is probably no. What about Tennessee? We've been told, oh, they're kind of the darling of the uh, preseason right now. They're getting some chatter to possibly be a sleeper team in the SEC. And could they maybe challenge Georgia a, a bit? I, I guess that's the case. But keep this in mind. Georgia blew out Tennessee in its own stadium a year ago. Now Tennessee has to come into a hostile environment of its own and Sanford Stadium. Even if Tennessee is better than it was a year ago, which is a possibility, and Georgia's a little bit worse than its national championship high, which is also a possibility, have the have the cards really flipped that much that Tennessee could go from being a blowout loser at home to a winner on the road against the reigning national champs? That seems like a pretty specious claim to me. Georgia has to go to South Carolina. South Carolina's you know, arguably a preseason top 25 team. Uh, and who knows, you know, South Carolina could be riding high uh, when that game comes. But the last time Georgia played a ranked South Carolina williams Bryce Stadium was 2018, they blew them out that day. This team on paper is even better than that team was. The idea that South Carolina even keeps it close against Georgia, I think, is a bit of a stretch. To say nothing of Auburn, who you already know can't do anything about UGA, and Florida, who I predict to have uh, likely a losing record for the upcoming season. There's just simply in you know matter of fact terms is not a team on Georgia's regular season schedule that's likely to beat it so you're talking about at least you know I would say the most likely scenario is that a 12-0 Georgia now moves on to the SEC championship game where it will be based on what we understand right now 
before Alabama has whatever you know injury or that it's going to make an excuse for something like that uh, based on what we think we know right now Alabama would be a point spread favorite over Georgia so let's just save the sake of conversation that Georgia loses that game because that's what Vegas will be predicting to happen all of a sudden you're going to tell me that Georgia as a 12 and one team we're not conceding the game in real life we're just arguing on the basis of the hypothetical right now that Georgia loses if Georgia was 12 and one are you telling me that Georgia should be excluded from the college football playoff for being 12 and one and see this is the thing that I think the Georgia fans need to get really geared up to have a conversation about and this is the thing where you know Ryan McGee can say what he wants ultimately him he the person who says it's not important but the argument that he expresses is one that's going to really matter for Georgia fans here this season I think there is an attempt to ignore not just where Georgia compares against Alabama because the media loves having that conversation oh Georgia beat him once but can it beat him again or whatever else that's a conversation the media seems to enjoy having here's the conversation though the media does not seem to want to have and this year's Georgia team could force them to have again What is the gap between Georgia and every team that isn't Alabama? What is the legitimate argument for putting a team from another conference in the playoff over Georgia, assuming that Georgia's not the SEC champion and basically a de facto automatic qualifier? What would be the argument for putting anybody in over Georgia based on what we saw a year ago? Not the fact that Georgia beat Alabama, but the fact that Georgia dragged Michigan up and down the Orange Bowl field. Like that matters. That happened. And this was a Michigan team that thought it was beating UGA. They traveled tens of thousands of people down to South Florida because they wanted to enjoy some sunshine, and they thought their team was about to win a playoff game. Their long wait was over. The long nightmare of Michigan's irrelevance was going to come to an end because they just didn't think Georgia was all that good. But Georgia had another thing coming for them there on that field there that day. And on and on you go with more and more examples of this, that the gap between the very best of the SEC and literally everyone else in college football right now is kind of a giant chasm. And nobody really wants to talk about that. It's the kind of thing that if you admit it too much, it's just kind of not good for business. But it is absolutely true. So if you're a UGA fan, here is what I'm going to tell you. I don't think you should care that much about Ryan McGee, what he said in 2016, or what he says now. We mostly just kind of have fun with that kind of stuff. But I do think you should get geared up for a pretty big argument. And I do think that the stuff that no one wants to talk about is the stuff that matters most. Whether Georgia's the SEC champ, it certainly could be, or whether Georgia's the SEC runner-up, there's also a possibility that that uh, Alabama maybe gets that nod there. Uh, whichever scenario you're talking about, pointing out all the ways in which the very best of the SEC, which includes Georgia, is so much better than everything else in college football. That's more true than ever. It's more relevant than ever. And when it comes to the college football playoff argument that's about to take place with this upcoming season – it may be more intense than it's ever been before, too. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Good morning to you, and thanks for being with us. No matter how you get to us, 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Of course, we start 945 before that, first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. And, of course, all of this made possible by our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, not just the show on video, but the show on the radio as well, on App and Sports Radio 963F, and as a podcast wherever you find them all across the fruited plain of podcast platforms, the Apple Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. We post the show, 
pretty much anywhere you want to look for podcasts, you're going to find our program, Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. And speaking of Engineered Solutions of Georgia, so, so thankful to have them doing what they do, not just their support of our show and their support of UGA. They are proud partners of UGA after all, but really thankful for the work they do for homeowners all, all across our city and our state when it comes to two very important issues. You've heard me talk about it before, foundation stuff, waterproofing stuff. These are the kinds of things that threaten your home. Your home is probably the most important investment you have. It's your most valuable asset and protecting that, the structural integrity of it is really important. And that's why having engineered solutions of Georgia right there on top of mind is really important. When you see that water creeping in, commonly in basements or crawl spaces, sometimes it's your garage, or when you see those cracks show up in your wall, that ought to be a signal to you. Oh, yeah, BA talked about this. Engineered Solutions of Georgia. That's the easy number to dial. You simply call 678-ESOG now. 678-ESOG now. When you reach out to them, you're going to find out all the great work they do for you. It starts the moment you pick up the phone. It starts the moment you have that conversation. You're able to get in there and and and, and find out how quickly they're going to respond to your issue. Because they're a solutions-based company. They know if it's a small fix. They know if it's a bigger fix. And they can tell you that and walk you through all of that. Don't wait. This is your home, after all. This is the thing you got to protect with all you got. And Engineered Solutions of Georgia is a resource you have at your disposal. They've been longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily. They are proud partners of UGA. They are fun to do business with. Jay, Derek, the whole team over there, good folks. So make sure you check out Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. We're going to get Connor Riley here coming up as a part of a uh, Kroger Fresh Take with him. And there's been a lot of chatter. We did some of this yesterday on the show about what is going on with the Georgia quarterback situation. Connor actually saw a good bit of Georgia practice the other day. And, you know, since then, there's been some rumblings and grumblings about how practice reps have been split up. Is this something? Is it nothing? Is it whatever? Uh, we'll let Connor tell us about that here coming up in just a little bit and also a lot of other kind of cool stuff coming up there as well. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. And, you know, I thought we have gotten a nice collection of interviews from Georgia football players over the course of the last few days as spring practice rolls on. The, the place we kind of collect all of these, is it repository? Is that the word I'm looking for? Is that where, where, uh, thing? <laughs> it's probably a bigger word than I should be using. But a great repository of uh, of interviews for us right down the Dog Nation YouTube page. All the stuff from practice is all right there for you. And I want to highlight Marcus Rosemey Jackson here for a moment because I think it was – it was either last week or a couple weeks ago that I think Connor brought him up on the show as, hey, let's watch for this guy, you know, former elite recruit, dealt with a debilitating injury, working his way back. Cool to hear him in the interview from the other day talking about kind of getting healthier again. But when you think about guys who could be in line for a, for a pretty big season, uh, Rosemey Jackson's one of the guys that you would probably put on that list a bit. He had a lot of good things to say about another guy like Dominic Blaylock coming back from injury, all kind of really cool stuff. So it's worth your time to go back and watch the full interview. I want to highlight a couple of things here right now, though. First of all, the early experiences from guys like Rosemey Jackson for Brian McClendon, the new wide receivers coach. Apparently, McClendon is kind of getting to know these players pretty well they feel like they're kind of getting to know him this is what Rosemey Jackson said about McClendon as we go around the doghouse here today coach he's he a real cool coach he's by his business he's by his work he's definitely he's a lot he's uh very straightforward he, he's gonna make sure that we work and make sure that we're on top of what we got to do especially on and off the field I think that cool is it's one of those things I don't know if you put this in the job description for a position coach but I think you do want cool position coaches. And I think there's more than one way to be cool. I mean, I think in some cases, cool can be like really energetic. In some cases, cool is kind of laid back. Like when I look at Brian McClendon, he 
does kind of look like he might be cool but like Sam Pippen was kind of also cool as well and his cool was a completely different kind of cool it was more like relaxed laid back I mean I don't think you can have 10 Kirby smarts I mean you know Kirby hard driving I don't know that on the practice field folks maybe think of Kirby as cool I think they think of him as more intense than cool so if, if you're going, you know, if you're going intense on the one side, you better have some cool to mix in with that. Otherwise, that becomes just a little bit too much of one flavor. And so oftentimes you do want that 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 position coach to be the guy that's kind of the go between between the intense head coach or the hard driving coordinator. The 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 position coach is almost like the the advocate for the players, almost like the player's lawyer in some cases, defending him against the a coordinator or the head coach or something like that. And so a little bit of coolness from your position coach, probably never a bad thing. And it sounds like Rosemary Jackson feels like he's kind of getting to know him there a little bit. Also, Rosemary Jackson pretty well acquainted as well with what the goal is for the Georgia wide receiver room here this year. A, a position group we would all say needs to take that next big step forward. So, uh, Rosemary Jackson talked about some of the individual goals for that group here this year. Once again, more of Marcus Rosemary. Explosive plays, down the field, making plays, making big plays, spreading out blocks, whatever we got to do. I feel like I feel like my group, my receiving group, we gonna go out there, we gonna perform whenever, no matter what the task is. If we got a block, if we got a, if we got a um, catch the ball, run, no matter what it is. So I, lo- I love that. I love the idea that we're ready to do whatever. And it's kind of cool to hear a guy like Rosemary Jackson saying that going into a season in college, where you know a guy on the other side of that, George Pickens, has been saying the same thing as he's moving on to the NFL. Of oh yeah, we are we're just going to be ready for. I mean, about himself saying, oh yeah, I'm willing to block, I'm willing to do whatever else. And that's the attitude he takes to the NFL and. You better believe NFL scouts like that. You better believe NFL scouts enjoy hearing a guy like Pickens talking that way. But as you hear from Rosemary Jackson, that's just kind of the way that Georgia receivers talk and that willingness to be selfish, or I should say unselfish. I mean, Rosemary Jackson put that on display in the national championship game. Connor had a good story about that the other day. Uh, you know, that willingness to do what needs to be done. Yeah, that's all um, That's all a really important part of the equation. And then I was kind of thinking about this. And after this, we'll talk about something different. But so we talked yesterday about all of those guys, I think it's seven Georgia players in total, who showed up within the first 40 picks of the ChadRooterNFL.com mock draft. And when you think about the fact that Georgia played virtually all of last season when they got a guy like, without a guy like George Pickens, who is just on the doorstep of being a first-round pick here for this upcoming season, that speaks to a pretty big challenge that Georgia overcame last season. And Listen, I'm not here to tell you that the wide receiver room doesn't have room for growth, opportunity for improvement based on where the level of play of that position has been. That's totally true. It's obviously true. But I think what it has accomplished is probably worth paying some attention to, too. Dealt with a lot of injuries to Pickens, to Rosemey himself, Dominic Blaylock, who I mentioned a moment ago. And yet we saw A.D. Mitchell emerge, and that emergence may still be ongoing. We saw Lad McConkey emerge last season, and that was a cool thing to be able to talk about there as well. And so when you think about room for improvement, it certainly exists for the wide receiver room. But when you think about what they did last year on the way to a national championship season, knowing that so many of the expected top performers in that room were either so hurt they weren't playing at all or at least hurt enough they weren't what they once were or what we once thought they could be, I think it speaks to kind of an interesting intriguing possibility for what could happen for this upcoming season i thought marcus rosemary jackson gave really good voice to all of that all right so that is uh really good stuff 
with uh, Rosemary Jackson. I'm going to talk to Connor Riley about that more in a moment. Don't forget, before we're done, though, very special guest on today's program. We're going to welcome in former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray. We're going to do this near the end of the program here today. Uh, Aaron's doing some great work um, with a uh, really cool new organization that's both got some fun opportunities for Georgia fans, got some great NIL opportunities for Georgia players, and this is one of those deals where uh, it's also uh, kind of spreading and stretching all across college football. It's probably the hottest topic of the moment around the sport. Aaron is right in the middle of all that, so we'll talk to him about that, about some uh, stuff going on with the dogs, and some big events that he and the Players' Lounge have coming up for the G-Day weekend. We'll do that before we're done on the program here today. But for now, everything happening at Georgia Spring Practice, including the mystery of what actually is happening with the Georgia quarterback and what does that actually mean. Let's do all of that with Connor Riley right now as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. Good to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Kroger Fresh Take, Connor Riley right now. Always great to have Connor a part of the program, especially after Connor got a chance to really watch a good bit of practice the other day. Always nice to kind of get that eyewitness account. And uh, based on some of the chatter and rumblings that have come out since then, I think that his perspective is going to be pretty valuable on all of that, too. Connor, let me pick up, though, where I just was. Rosemary Jack saying interesting chatter on the wide receiver situation. And, you know, listen, I think I'm both realistic on this. This is a group that really needs to play, you know, better. This is one of those position groups for Georgia that probably has the most room for improvement. And yet I also find myself, because of his return to health, Dominic Blaylock's return to health, he's gotten pretty good reviews and all that. The continued, what appears to be uh, continued emergence of A.D. Mitchell, knowing what Georgia did last year without a guy like George Pickens and with other these some of these other guys hobbled for as long as they were, I actually kind of think there's a little bit of an opportunity for the uh, UGA wide receiver situation here this year. You've written about this some lately. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think with this group, there's a solid upside there uh, of guys in terms of what they're going to be able to do. If you told me that Dominic Blaylock, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, and Arian Smith, and I'll throw Kiaris Jackson in there as well because he was not healthy last season. If you guarantee me that those guys are healthy and able to play in all 15 games for Georgia this season, I think they're going to end up playing 15 games. I think there, there is a really high upside, I think, with this wide receiver room. We, we've seen it in glimpses, whether it be Rosemary Jackson's touchdown against Florida, you know, Dominic Blaylock way back in 2019 now with his, I think, really underrated season there, and then Arian Smith – there's no doubt in my mind that Arian Smith can't play football. He, every time he is on the field, he has been able to make plays. The problem is just, he has not been able to sustain the ability to stay on the field. And so when you add in what you get a guy like Adonai Mitchell, who I think a lot of people expect to take that next step forward and is probably the closest thing to a George Pickens on this 2022 Georgia football team. You bring back a guy like Ladd McConkey, who's played some key snaps there. CJ Smith, I think is a really interesting talent. And Island Morrissette, I would throw in there as well. Uh, there's, a lot of upside still, I believe, in this wide receiver room. I mean, think back to this time a year ago, before George Pickens told, tore his ACL, we thought the wide receiver is going to be an outright strength for Georgia. I don't know if we'll be there this year, but I do think it's going to be, provided that this room stays healthy, something it didn't do last season, a plus for this Georgia football team. And about now with what I talked about at the top of the program, like if this is Georgia's weakness, then that's big-time trouble for most of the rest of college football. And this is what I think you know some national analysts – either don't want to pretend is true or maybe they haven't really noticed it's true which is hey maybe georgia's better than alabama maybe they're not 
But there aren't three other teams in this country better than Georgia. This is still clearly going to be one of the four best teams in the country. Does the committee do the right thing and put them in the college football playoff? We will see. I don't trust the committee very much. But this idea that losses on defense, you know, uh, less than fully developed wide receiver situation, that all of this adds to a Georgia team that wins the East, but not much more than that. I just don't see it. I think that's wishful thinking on the part of college uh, football media types who want something new to write about. But I don't think that Georgia is going to give them all that much new stuff to write about. I think that Georgia is going to march through most of its schedule much the same way it did last year. We'll find out what happened against Alabama. I'm not ready to make a pick on that game. But for those who kind of hope, hey, lack of wide receiver depth is, uh, is the kind of thing that holds Georgia back – in comparison to most of the teams it's playing, in comparison to the other non-Alabama teams in this country, I just think that's wishful thinking on the part of people who are just kind of hoping something new happens. Yeah, I, I think that perception is still having some catch-up to play when it comes to this Georgia football team because, you know, let's even go back and look at the 2018 team the last time they went to the college football playoff. You know, that LSU game was a, a real debacle, but on this Georgia schedule this year, there isn't a game or a team of that caliber. I would even say that 2018 LSU team would probably be the best team on this Georgia schedule right now. And so I, I think it works out for Georgia where they're weirdly in this scenario where, yes, obviously I don't think they're going to be as talented or as high end, you know, leadership wise as they were last season, but there's still plenty of talent and plenty of potential to improve to where it's absolutely going to be a team that's going to factor into the college football playoff discussion and, as we sort of even saw this year, I don't think anyone Georgia had Georgia as a favorite. If anything, I think they would probably have been the third betting favorite when the college football playoff started. But I think we've seen now with enough, you know, enough of a sample size that with this college football playoff getting in, once you do that, anything can really happen. You know, we saw Alabama when we first saw in 2014, and we thought they'd be the unbeatable team. They lost to Ohio State. You think back to, you know, that 2018 team that Alabama had with Tua and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Well, Clemson beat the doors off of that. And so I I think we've seen enough now to where if you're able to get into the playoff, you can do some real damage there. And I I just haven't seen enough to think that Georgia is going to have this massive, massive drop off to where they're no longer a factor in the college football playoff discussion. All right. So before we get into quarterbacks, can I go in like a soapbox for like two seconds here? So thank you. Um, I mentioned this the other day when it comes to the NCAA tournament, like there's a pocket of people who really like college basketball who would say, hey, if you don't understand that Gonzaga is the best team in the country simply because they play in the West Coast Conference, if you discount them for that, then you're a rube, then you're an idiot. You don't understand the math, the analytics, thing like that. On the other day on the show, I said, I'm kind of done with analytics because analytics have told me that Gonzaga is the best team in the country for like five years in a row now, and it's just not happening to the tune of winning a national championship. Moving forward in college basketball, the onus is on the side of those who want to argue in favor for Gonzaga, why this year is going to be different. They make Final Fours, they play for titles, that's fine, but they're supposed to be winning these things based on where smart people tell us they rank year after year after year. It's just never happening. I think the same thing is kind of true in college football. The onus is on the people who want to argue for a team other than an SEC team, and frankly, a team other than Georgia and Alabama. They've played for national championships twice. I believe if you had you know, a scenario where it's fair for this upcoming season, they may be playing for the title again. And if you want to make the case, as people did a year ago for Michigan, or if you want to make the case for filling the blank with really any team kind of you know, outside that, that typical SEC bubble on that, then you've got to have the onus on you to bring some 
very strong facts because, Connor, I believe that we're just giving the benefit of the doubt too often in college sports, whether it's Gonzaga in basketball or Michigan in football, to teams who our eyes would suggest aren't really worth it, but the math guys tell us, no, you got to understand this team's better than you realize. And they always end up being wrong because the SEC team or the more talented college basketball team just ends up dominating. And I, I just think that we got to have more sensible, reasonable conversations around this stuff when it comes to college football that, yeah, on paper, uh, you know, Michigan never was a very good matchup with Georgia, even though we were told going into the game that it was. I couldn't disagree with you more on the Gonzaga points you made there, but I, I do sort of agree with you when it comes to the SEC and sort of having to prove it. And look, I'll even say this with Ohio State. Yes, they won a college football playoff game with Justin Field at quarterback there. But when was the last time they were competitive on a field with an SEC school? And Clemson is a different program, I would argue, altogether than what we have seen from Georgia and Alabama in recent years. And I think even them, they're getting propped up a little bit and have the sort of a benefit of doubt. Weirdly, that I, I don't even think Georgia necessarily has. Well, yes, they have the same number of titles. Georgia has had, I would say, a lot stronger recent track record of success than I would say with Ohio State in terms of, at the very least, being competitive with Alabama. Now, Ohio State's only played them once, but they got wiped off the field with them that day. So I do think that going forward, one of the things we're going to have to watch and look out for is even among, you know, the SEC tiers, you know, I think there's a rush to put Texas A&M in that tier. They very clearly are not there yet. They haven't proven it on the year in, year out sort of we're a consistent winner. We're going to win at least 10 games every year. And if ball breaks a couple of ways, we might be able to get to 11 or 12 in a regular season. But right now I, I think college football is very much in a spot where it's Alabama and Georgia, and they're going to rotate every year based on, you know, who is coming back. Obviously I think Alabama is going to be the stronger side this year, but a year from now, Georgia seems better prepared and set up to be the better football team. I think that's sort of where the sport is right now. And it's on the onus of the rest of the teams out there to get into that mix quarterbacks and i want to bring you into the discussion we had yesterday because mike had a story about dognation.com about this there's been plenty of chatter throughout the weekend that at practice as i believe it's been reported that brock vandergriff carson back have gotten a lot more work with the number one offense and the number two offense and that has relegated stetson Bennett, at least for now into a number three type position while these guys are getting more of a chance to practice now I don't mind telling you when I have a very strong opinion about something, I'm more than happy to tell you what it is. And when I don't know something, I'm kind of happy to do that, too. At least want to be honest and authentic as it possibly can be. There seem to be two camps here amongst people who kind of feel like they know what's going on. There's the person on the one side is like, ah, oh, this is no big deal. Spring practice doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever pecking order the quarterbacks have, it's totally irrelevant this time of year. Georgia's still very many months away from playing a game. On the other side, there's the ah Stetson Bennett is losing his job because he's at number three right now and these other guys are at number one and number two that this is evidence that there's a sea change coming with the Georgia quarterback spot frankly I don't know that either of those two extremes is true but I also will really admit I don't really know what's going on here doesn't seem like nothing maybe it's not proof of something what do you think is going on based on what you saw with your own eyes of the day what you have heard in the intervening days since then with Stetson Bennett, at least for right now, not exclusively working as the number one quarterback, does that mean the competition is on here? I'm going to quote uh, a phrase from the social network here, one of our, I think, favorite movies. Discussing Georgia quarterbacks in recent years is like dating a stairmaster. It's exhausting. 
And, and, you know, this is, I think, even a further example of this, because I'm sort of in lockstep with you on this. It's not nothing. Uh, You know, I've always sort of held the belief this spring, you need to focus on the development of Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff. You need to find out what you have there because, you know, one of the great unanswered questions from last season that we're never going to get an answer to is, what did Stetson Bennett have and show that Carson Beck didn't when it came to that UAB game. And then obviously Stetson ascending from there, because we came out of spring last year with a pretty really strong idea that Carson Beck was the number two quarterback there. So what happened and what has Carson done since then? And how has he rebounded since then and improved since then to sort of show what he could possibly be as a quarterback. I would include Brock Vandergriff there in that same note. You need to, I, I think this spring, the biggest thing with this quarterback room is, is in spring in particular, prioritizing the development of Brock Vandergriff and Carson Beck. And I think so when I heard and had, had sort of picked up on what was being put out there that they're, in my opinion, prioritizing how to get these guys better now to have a better idea of where they might stand in August. Now, if they were doing this in August, you know, two weeks from the start of the Oregon game, that's a big flashing sign. This is definitely something and you could fall in, in, in more into that. Oh, this is something about Setson. I think right now with Stetson and what you want to see from him, I think Kirby Smart's made it very, very clear. He wants to focus more on what Stetson can bring from an intangible side of things, how he can be a better leader, how he can better diagnose and call out defenses, what he can see when, you know, when a defense does this, where should he go with the football? And quite frankly, I don't think you necessarily need to be having reps with the ones and twos in that situation, because I do think that in standing over the side, working with the Todd Munkin or working with the Buster Faulkner, you can learn a lot and soak up a lot and process a lot more in doing that. So the, the live action reps to me are of greater importance to Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff than they are to Stetson Bennett. But if we're panic, panicking is maybe not the right word here, but if we're spending this much attention microanalyzing what it means that two quarterbacks were, were taking first and second team reps over Stetson Bennett in the second week of spring practice, it just sets up to be another long, long drawn out season of quarterback discussions when it comes to the Georgia football program. So let's do a couple of kind of like rapid fire type things right here. Do you agree with me that it is a little weird if, if Bennett has spent any time working as the number three quarterback, that's a little bit weird. Certainly Bryce Young's not doing that at Alabama, I wouldn't guess. And I'd even say that like Spencer Rattler at South Carolina is probably not doing that either. That it's, it's slightly unusual that Bennett has been relegated to this role, even if it's just to get a look to the other guys. That's slightly unusual. Do you agree with that idea? I, 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 slight, I, I would agree with slightly, slightly unusual, yes. Um, I, I guess beyond that, do you think this provides a real opportunity for Beck and Vandergriff? Because what I've told our audience is, and I think I did this in our video comment section yesterday, I don't think you can win the starting job for Georgia this spring. First of all, I still think that Stetson Bennett's going to be very hard to beat out. So for the people who are kind of hopeful to see, you know, some new blood at the quarterback position, I think you're probably leaning into the direction of some false hope. But if that was going to happen, I don't think you can win the job this spring. But I do think you could potentially perform well enough to suggest that you deserve to play because that's what that's what Smart said about Bennett in the South Carolina game last year was we played him because he deserved the chance to play. And to me, that's the next goal for 
both Beck or Vandegrift is to perform well enough in practice to command the huddle well enough during this offseason time of year that you put yourself in a position to deserve to play some that's the it's not overtaking Bennett as starter it's showing that you are deserving of being on the field because if we're going to be honest that's maybe what Beck didn't do a year ago before going into the UAB game they just weren't sure they wanted to play him yet can one of those two guys earn enough confidence where you'd be okay putting them in the game at that point in time then the real competition might actually be on if there's one to come do you agree with that yeah i think you really summed it up perfectly there and to put even perhaps more of a finite timeline on it i think this ring is really critical for back in vandegrift because i think one of those guys can put themselves in that position to to show that they're deserving uh, of some playing time come the fall. And, and so I think whichever quarterback has the superior spring practice is going to put them in the position to do so, because I don't think you're going to be able to just divide up the reps enough to where you're still getting sets and first team reps. And I've said for a while, sets and Bennett's going to be the starter to start the season. I don't really for a barring an injury. I don't really foresee anything happening that one of Beck or Vandergriff at the start of the season is going to be able to usurp that job from him. But to your point there, and you did a great job bringing up Stetson Bennett from South Carolina a season ago. And I, I think, you know, with a guy like Brock or a guy like Carson Beck, you know, can they get, you know, two to three drives in a game because they're showing enough in practice to earn that trust from Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin. And then maybe from there, use that to build off into a larger platform of playing time as the season develops. And so I do think that, you know, because there is obviously some things different with this season than years past. We know Stetson Bennett, this is going to be his final year at Georgia. So at 2023, you're going to be starting over at the quarterback position. And so if you can find out a little bit more in terms of what you have in Carson Becker, Brock Vandergriff with live in-season reps, I think you have to do that. And so it provided that one of those guys shows that they're deserving of playing time. And so I think this spring is really important in terms of finding out, all right, is that Vandergriff or is that Beck? And then from there, come the fall, okay, how does the winner of this spring competition go about better pushing Stetson Bennett as a quarterback? Two very quick things, and then we'll move on to something else to wrap this up. Um, If there's no free one-time transfer, do you think Georgia's handling the quarterback situation the way that it is right now? I do. I I don't think that necessarily changes. Given just what we've seen from Kirby Smart in years past – when, when Jacob Eason was here, when Jake Fromm was here, when Justin Fields was here. So to me, here is the question. Are Beck and Vandegrift competing with each other to be the key backup, the prime backup, or are they competing with Stetson Bennett to be the starter? That to me is the most important question this spring for George at this position. Beck and Vandegrift against each other or Beck and Vandegrift versus Bennett to see who's eventually the starter. If Smart was asked that question directly, do you think he would answer it? Absolutely not. Um and that's just sort of how it goes with, with Kirby and discussing quarterbacks. It is sometimes hard to get a, a straightforward answer there. But I will say, I do think this spring is, as I sort of outlined uh, a second ago, it's between Beck and Vandergriff now. And then in the, winter, in the winter of that, in the fall, it is going to be Bennett versus whoever that is. But I still have the expectation that Stetson Bennett is going to be your starter. He's going to play a lot. And if he plays well, like he did against Michigan, like he did in the second half of that game against Alabama, he's going to be very difficult to unseat. But at the same point in time, if Brock Vandergriff or if Carson Beck show they're deserving of playing time, Kirby Smart has also shown in the past that he is unafraid to do so, even when the thought might be we have an entrenched starter with JT Daniels all out last season. I think the one thing that you understand, because you've seen a lot of practice, I've seen some of practice over the years. I have a little bit of an understanding of this too, is, 
is that this all comes down to the fact that, that practice reps are just not infinite, right? There is a finite amount of snaps that you can give, and you, know, you can't have four guys getting you equal reps. There's just not enough practice time. There are not enough practice bodies. There aren't enough practice fields. Like, like you know, everything about practice is somewhat limited by space and time that, that if you're going to give more reps to other guys, somebody else is just not going to get very many of them. And ironically, right now, it's the guy that we presume is the Georgia starter. But finding out what you do have in Beck and Vandegrift, I do think is a pretty worthy mission. Right, and to that point, let's think back to last season. Seth Zimeno was working with the ones. This is during the season, obviously. JT Daniels working with the second team. Brock Vandergriff was getting your scout team reps, which we, we've heard there's some value in there, but how much that actually translates, we don't really know because we're never running what Georgia likes to run. So Carson Beck, just because of the way practice shook out last year, just didn't get a lot of reps during the course of the season. And I do think that probably had some impact on his development. Spin it forward to this year, whoever that number three quarterback is, look, Gunnar Stockton is probably going to be your scout team quarterback. Setson Bennett is probably going to be your starter. Whoever that number three quarterback is, they're just not going to get a lot of reps to improve and get better. And I think with football, you know, like so many other things in life, it just once you do the reps and get the practice in, that's how you really start making improvements. But if you're not doing that, you're not getting better. It's going to be very difficult for whoever that is, which I think is going to be the loser of the, so to speak, backup quarterback battle coming out of this spring. Now, one thing I will note, I'd be very surprised if they come out and actually name who the number two quarterback is coming out of the spring, because I think they know what that is going to signal to so many people, unlike a season ago probably right. All right, so Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley. I've got one more thing I want to do with Connor. Before that, let me remind you about my friends at Kroger. Right now, fuel costs higher than they've ever been, but Kroger stepping in like never before to take good care of you and all that. In fact, learn about these fuel rewards at Kroger. This is one of those things that this is actionable intelligence. You can take what I'm telling you now and do something to save yourself more money. So you can earn one fuel point for every dollar you spend at Kroger in-store or online. So for every buck in the store, that's a fuel point. And you can earn twice the fuel points when you purchase gift cards and during special weekends throughout the year so kroger giving you a chance to earn big time fuel points that's savings at the pump and in some cases chances for double savings there as well so go in store to find out more about this shop at kroger.com and learn all the ways in which kroger's trying to help make it a little easier for you as you're filling up that vehicle right now which is not an easy thing to do connor very quickly here to finish this off uh, trayvon walker you've seen some buzz possibly even number one overall to the jacksonville jaguars i don't really wish that on a guy that i love but uh, i'm guessing you know down there from where he's from in that area there's probably some jaguars fans that uh that live around there so what do you make of first of all walker just skyrocketing up draft boards even more than he was before and potentially even the number one overall pick how how real is that and if it's real how cool is it i hope it's not real uh for his sake because i i think with trayvon yeah, I, I just think with Trayvon, like so much of his game is projection. And if you put him in the expectations of being the number one overall pick on him, I think he'll live up to them. But that's an awful lot to, to put on there. And while, yes, it's not like, say, the New York Jets are a massive franchise. So the expectations of being a number one overall pick are going to weigh heavy. And, you know, that's why I think a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who has the proven production along with some very strong testing numbers, I think that sets up better for him and what he might be going forward. Now, obviously, if you're a Georgia fan or someone on this show that happened to at one point say, you can give me anyone's future NFL earnings, I would take I would take Trayvon Walker's. And if he does end up going number one, I feel like you're going to ask the, the our friends at Royal Caribbean to just take a victory lap around the entire Caribbean on the first night of the draft that night. So 
Uh, you know, I, I think he's locked in as a, as a top 10 pick. I think he's probably going to be the second edge rusher off the board, but between what they have at offensive tackle and as well with Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, and I would say Kyle Hamilton as well, I think is going to be a very good NFL player, but I don't think he's going to go number one. Uh, I think Trayvon Walker is very safely a top 10 pick, and I don't think he's going to be on the board past pick number eight. And if he's there and the Atlanta Falcons don't take him, I mean, I get it, but it's more par for the course for the Atlanta Falcons than what they choose to do. You and me both on that. Before I let you go, and I got to do this quickly because this show's already seven hours long, but uh, are you on Team Chris Rock or Team Will Smith? Um, I guess I'm on Team Chris Rock if I have to be on a team. Uh, I don't necessarily have an issue with the slap, but it was his acceptance speech afterwards that I think really just – made me really just regret the whole moment because it really took away from what was supposed to be a very big night. And I'm a huge Oscars fan. And, you know, so for him to go out there and issue the strangest non-apology, and he's obviously issued a public statement after that, but I just think some of the language he used in his speech uh, really bummed me out because it took away from a night that was supposed to be a celebration of movies. Coda winning best picture was a really cool moment. And all of that gets overshadowed by what happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. And I, I, I mean, I, I'm starting to get tired of it now, but I, I'm telling you, it's just one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Connor, thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. We certainly appreciate you being a part of the program. Yep. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, don't forget, we're a couple of minutes away. We'll welcome in former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray, who's always got great things to say about UGA and the state of college football. He's also got some cool things going on with our friends at the Players' Lounge. He will tell us about that here coming up in just a couple minutes' time. I can't wait to do that. Connor also mentioned being on board the very first ever cruise with Dog Nation coming up. We're going to be doing that April 25th on Independence of the Seas with our friends at Royal Caribbean. I can't wait for it. We are going to be watching the draft there that night. That's the Thursday night we're on board. We're going to Playmaker Sports Bar and hang out watch the draft and probably do some cool stuff around that we will be rooting it's one of those things where <laughs> i mean i don't really want walker to be in a bad situation but it's still really cool to be the number one overall pick i mean you can imagine you know the cachet that comes with being the first guy to go shake roger goodell's hand and being in las vegas i guess they're riding are they going to ride the boats at the uh they're going to do the boats they're supposed to do this at the uh, bellagio fountains there it's just going to be really really cool so i'd love to see walker go number one overall even though i don't want him to see him stuck in kind of a bad situation at least what appears to be there in Jackson. But nonetheless, we'll be watching that closely. But the point is, we're going to be on board, hanging out, having a great time. NASA on the Bahamas, perfect day, Coco K. All the great stuff to do on board, Independence of the Sea, specialty restaurants, as I said, like Playmaker Sports Bar, like Chops Grill, like Azumi, the uh, delicious uh, teppanyaki-style hibachi restaurant. Uh, the main dining room is just really fun and enjoyable. Windjammer Cafe, so much food, uh, ice cream machine, stop buying a little ice cream, Serrano's Pizza. There's just so much fun stuff to eat and drink and do and enjoy when you're on a Royal Caribbean cruise, and I can't wait to share all of that with you. I'm actually just recently, relatively recently fresh back from a uh, great trip on uh, Harmony of the Seas, a beautiful ship uh, from Royal Caribbean, and uh, Independence of the Seas is going to be really cool and fun there as well. So we're going to have a great time. It's still a little bit of time for you to get on board and get involved. So go to tcava.com. That's the uh, website for the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Or just check out dognation.com, top of the page. Click the link in there for the Dog Nation Cruise. Or you can actually go to dognationcruise.com there as well. And you can be rocking and rolling on all of that. All right, let's bounce through here. Let's do a little bit of uh, SEC through stuff before we get ready to talk to Aaron Murray coming up after that. So there is buzz coming out of Arch Manning's visit to Texas. You would expect this to happen. There's almost always buzz coming after everyone's visit. Uh, I guess some of the chatter is that Arch really enjoyed his time there in 
Austin. There is some thought that the Texas recruitment has been rejuvenated through all of this. And I guess the, if you care about like online predictions, and I'm someone who is interested in the online predictions, and now we have several websites that kind of provide some of those. I, I don't know that early online predictions are ever all that accurate necessarily. It's more like the late movement on this that probably ends up being the most accurate. But, you know, Manning is favored to land at Texas in the basis of what most of the national websites are saying right now. And I guess, you know, that's maybe in the minds of some even more so after all of that. I, I saw one of the quotes, and I think this may have come from Brad Croft from 24-7 Sports. I, one of the people said this was like, hey, you know, Austin just kind of did its thing or, uh, you know, you know, it's it's very similar to what would be say about Athens, right? But as we told you before, Austin's a much bigger city than Athens. Athens is a really cool town, but Athens is you know a comparison to like a state capital of a, a state like Texas, just a smaller place all the way around. I also think that Athens provides kind of a quaintness, like a like a a hominess that I, I don't know that Austin necessarily provides as much of that's maybe just my own bias here i mean obviously austin has a reputation for being a very cool town a little bit techie these days south by southwest is that what the manning family wants i honestly don't know that i know the answer to that but uh that's going to be i think one of the real bellwethers here of how much back involved does alabama get we know he's there there's a scheduled visit there we've heard chatter about florida and lsu being a factor here because they have new coaches and georgia just kind of doing its thing and i think for most of the national folks who are probably watching this closely, I think that George is actually probably undervalued in this recruitment. But uh, Manning did take the visit to Texas. It sounds like things went really well. They typically do. And uh, maybe giving some justification to the online predictions that have favored the Longhorns in this recruitment anyway. Speaking of quarterbacks, interesting thing going on at Florida right now where you know Emory Jones is out. And I told you this the other day. As I'm a Gator hater. I don't like good things for Florida. But Every now and then, I have to kind of acknowledge my feeling about something. And when there's an early transfer at the quarterback position early on in spring practice or summer practice, something like that, to me, that's actually oftentimes good sign for a program because that means the other quarterbacks must be performing well enough that the odd man out realizes he's the odd man out. I don't mean that to disparage Emory Jones, but it's fairly obvious that he was, you know, going to be the guy that had the hardest case to be made for why, you know, he should be the guy here this season. And what we find out is, hey, maybe Anthony Richardson stepping up and kind of showing some leadership throughout all of this, but also Jack Miller, the recent transfer from Ohio State, maybe he stepped up and had a couple of good moments too. And there's also some conflicting opinion on this because I guess on the one hand, there's some thought that maybe he didn't have a recent, you know, good practice or, or whatever else, but there has been some positive chatter related to Miller there in that situation. So as Connor said a moment ago, when it comes to quarterbacks post-spring, it would be very weird for the head coach, whether it be Billy Napier or Kirby Smart or anybody else, to make too bold of a declaration of as to where things might stand. But uh, it certainly seems like it's Miller versus Richardson to be the quarterback. And I guess we'll find out as spring comes to a close here, is it a combination of Miller and Richardson? Is one of these two guys going to take the lead over the other? One more real quick here, and then we'll talk to uh, Aaron Murray after that. DeMond Demas is stepping away from the Texas A&M program. This is the 2020 elite wide receiver signee who has had some uh, issues with, I guess, uh, accusation of kind of domestic violence type deal. And uh, he's put it out there that he's entering into the uh, transfer portal. So obviously he's got some issues that are beyond just what's happening with uh, football. But in the football sense here, we know what the one big issue has been for Texas A&M. A lot of talent in the program, uh, a lot of reason to believe that A&M could be, they're supposed to be a big factor last year, injury at quarterback probably prevented that from happening, supposed to be that team here this year. But in order to take that step in 2022, Aggie's got to find some offense somewhere. 
interesting quarterback competition. We said that yesterday between King and and uh, Max Johnson, the recent LSU transfer, but also cultivating some talent at the wide receiver spot. That's a big deal for A and M right now. And one fewer former elite recruit to be a part of that as Demond Demas steps away from the program. So we'll find out what else is in store for the Aggies' offense as we head towards the start of the 2022 season. Okay, with that in mind, we'll transition from cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, to a great guest. Have not had him on in a while, but he's always a great voice talking Georgia football. And he's also right at the center of one of the biggest topics around college football right now. That is Aaron Murray, who you know him from his career at UGA, but also the work that he's doing now with the Players Lounge. First of all, Aaron, welcome back to our program, Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. Congratulations on all the success that the Players Lounge is having right now. And uh, just welcome to the program here today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's a, uh, it's a good time all around. Beautiful weather. Obviously, uh, everyone's so excited about that national championship. And uh, baseball team's playing pretty darn well. So a lot of uh, good stuff going on around campus as uh, spring ball's on its way. For sure. I want to talk about the Georgia team on the field here in a moment. Before that, I mentioned the Players' Lounge. And you guys have had some really cool stuff going on lately where, I mean, listen, a lot of fans are seemingly getting more connected with some of their favorite players than ever before. But also a lot of players, including a lot of guys there at UGA, are having a chance to make some NIL money, name, image, likeness. This is obviously the hottest topic around the sport right now. And you're pretty deeply involved in all of this. Some of our audience knows a lot about this and some of the stuff that the Players' Lounge is doing for some other folks. This is still a very new conversation. So to kind of kick things off here, would you mind kind of explaining to folks what the Players' Lounge is, how you're involved with that, and kind of how that's benefiting both, I guess, fans and athletes right now? Yeah, so we were super excited about the project. Uh, myself, along with Keith Marshall, Ty Fricks, Trent Fricks, started this, and essentially what we did was we partnered with 11 guys on the football team from Stetson, Nicobe, Brock Bowers, and you're right, Keely, Christmas, Marta, um, and then just really wanted to kind of what you're alluding to is bring players and fans together uh, through events. Um, and essentially when you own one of our NFTs and how we describe an NFT is it's a digital ticket. This is your ticket that gives you access to our community. And when you're part of our community, you get to interact with all these players. We had 15 to 20 players on our chat last night answering questions, talking about the UNC versus Duke basketball game, talking about spring ball. You get those interactions. We're also doing a golf tournament with all of our members. Uh, the Friday before G-Day, we're doing an event at Silver Dollar downtown, and then we're doing a tailgate at Creature Comfort on Saturday. You can get all the information at theplayerslounge.io. Uh, but it's really fun. Like I said, we, us former players, you know, we had interactions during our time at Georgia. Um, some of those relationships, are now friends of ours that you know necessarily weren't on the football field and some of them have helped us out in business because for a lot of players you know we all think that hey we're gonna have this 15 to 20 year career in the nfl for 95 percent of us that's not gonna happen and some of the connections you make during your time in college are some of those people that you're gonna lean on and call on uh when you do have to hang up the cleat so we want to help accelerate that process connect great fans with great players through these events uh, we're having a really good time doing it uh, so make sure you check us out at the Players' Lounge on our social medias. You can find all that on my social media as well at Aaron Murray 11 One of the things I think has been kind of cool is the tangible benefit this has had for players. I mean, you guys have actually already paid out a, a, a lot of money to UG athletes in particular. Now, this is also kind of growing to other schools there as well. I know a lot of LSU folks have just kind of signed in on this there as well. But there are a lot of UGA players who've already been able to kind of really see a tangible benefit from this. The NIL world is 
really new. We're only about a year or so into this, but um, a lot of Georgia players have already really benefited from this uh, connection, have they not? Yeah, so each one of our players, uh, each one of our 11 players uh, was able to benefit when it comes to NIL. Each one got $28,000. So we felt like for us, we wanted to start off with Georgia, obviously being Georgia alumni, and create some buzz because NIL is real. It ain't going anywhere, and these kids want to go places. Where one, they can win championships. I still think that's the first thing they want to do. They want to go somewhere to compete for championships. They want to be coached extremely well. But there's a lot of places where you could do that. Um, then what's the next factor? I think a big factor nowadays when you're talking to these kids is, where can I go get paid? Where can I go get the most NIL money? And when there's a headline out that, hey, 11 of the top Georgia players just split a pot of $305,000, each of them got $28,000, that makes headlines. And that's, that's ammunition that Georgia can use when it goes out there to get these top players across the country. Like, hey, man, if you're one of our elite guys, you'll get $20,000. And we've also done some separate deals with about 30 other players on the team to get them involved in the CUNY as well to continue to, to, to help when it comes to NIL opportunities for everyone on that Georgia roster. So, um, yeah, it's a statement, man. It is a big, big statement in a world of transfer portal in a world of social media where guys are kind of seeing all these top players do advertisements, if you know that, hey, I can go to Georgia, I can win championships, I have some of the best coaches in the country, and there's great NIL opportunity, we know how special downtown happens. Is We know how amazing the campus is. We know how amazing the fans are. That's just another box that you can check off of why would I not want to be a Bulldog. No, I think that's really interesting. I want to talk to you more before we're done about the big events you guys have coming up as we head towards uh, G-Day. I think that's some really cool stuff that fans want to be aware of. Let me get a couple thoughts from you about the team here real quick, though. One of the things that's come up on the show today is the ongoing curiosity about the quarterback situation. Obviously, Stetson Bennett broke through and, you know, uh, made history, helped Georgia win the national championship. I know you had some really kind things to say about Stetson as he uh, did that. And yet there's also this curiosity of, well, what do you have in Carson Beck? What do you have in Brock mm-hmm. Vandegrave? And there's some chatter coming out of practice that right now that's what Georgia's trying to figure out. What does it have in Beck? And what does it have in Vandegrift? Aaron, obviously you played that position at such a high level. What do you think of the current Georgia quarterback situation? Now it's unfolding during spring and what it might look like this fall. Yeah, I, th- I think the, <clears throat> the one positive is Stetson finally is the guy. I mean, it's amazing to me going to practices, spring practices and fall practices, uh, the past few years, and you see Stetson getting the four-string reps. He's getting the reps of the walk-ons. He's not even sniffing anywhere near first or second team reps, and that's hard. I mean, you have to build chemistry with your players and with your receivers, your tight end, the communication with the offensive line. For him to not have had that opportunity in spring or fall and to go out there and did and do what he did during the season is amazing. I mean, I, I was lucky enough. I had four years of getting all the reps in spring and fall sure. camp. And it's still being, it's still a very difficult job to go out there and execute week in and week out against the defenses you face in the SEC. So, why well, I, I tip my hat to Stetson. What he did with the amount of work that he was given is absolutely tremendous. Knowing the fact now that he gets this time to build the chemistry with his players, to build the offense around him during the next four or five months leading up to that first game in Atlanta, I'm super stoked for him. I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, the guy is backing him up. I, I've been a big fan of Carson Beck. When you look at, to me, just pure arm talent on the field and ease of throwing a football, the accuracy, uh, he checks off a lot of boxes. I remember watching this, you know, watching him a couple of years ago in practice, like, man, he jumped out to me last year. He jumped out to me. Um, he's someone that needs to take that mental hurdle 
of being able to mentally get ready for a game, mentally be able to execute all times, because that's what you have to do. You can't have a bad practice. You really can't. You know, if you're going to be trusted and given the keys to the car of a, a, a five-star team, a, a former national championship football team with all these lofty expectations, you have to bring your A game every single day. So I think for him, that's going to be the key. Can you bring it every single day in spring? Can you do it in fall? And can you do it for the season? But when it comes to intangibles, when it comes to throwing the football, really impressed with him. You know, Brock Vandegrift, I know he's a talented kid, big kid. Actually was pretty impressed with how he was throwing the football. Um, last week, I wanted to go watch their, their, their practice last Saturday. Uh, he's someone I think is talented. Um, had some stuff I felt like he needed to tweak when it came to his arm motion. He looked like he worked on some of his fundamentals. Uh, really like, you know, what he brings from an athlete standpoint. Obviously, just needs to continue to get reps. He's a young kid. Uh, Gunner, um, just learn, man. That's my recommendation. Yeah. I, 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 hopefully I get to go watch practice on Thursday or Saturday and really kind of watch him a little bit more. But right now, you have an opportunity to learn from, from a, a, a hard nosed competitor, a tremendous leader in Stetson Beck. I think he could benefit from that. But, you know, if, if, if I'm the coaching staff right now and I know Stetson is my number one, I'm making sure I'm doing everything I can to make sure Carson Beck is ready to go. I just think when it comes to, like I said, talent, I, I think Carson's the, I think he's the most gifted thrower on that roster. I do. And I think if he can mentally get going, I think he can be pretty darn good here in the next year or two. And then quickly on this, I know you've challenged the the Georgia team as far as what it's doing at wide receiver. You take that step towards matching some of the elite receiver play we've seen from some of the best teams in the country. And this year that means a guy like A.D. Mitchell taking the next step, some guys getting healthier. Mm-hmm. What do you currently see from this Georgia receiver situation? Because I know that's been a, a position you've been pretty outspoken about in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, I love their coaches right now. Between B-Mac being there, I know my boy Bobo's helping out with those guys. Uh, I was talking to Bobo the other day, and he was just raving about A.D. Mitchell. And then, and, and, you know, A.D. is someone, too, when, when you see him in person, you see him out there running routes, he's one impressive individual. And I think the way he ended last season off, you saw a lot of confidence built from him. You know, I love Ladd. I thought Ladd had a tremendous year last year. Really that deep threat, the guy that you saw, like, in the SEC Championship game and other games, that can take some of those tunnel screens, make a couple guys miss, and create those explosive plays down the field. Um, so I, I'm looking for both those two to really step their game up another notch, which I think they can. Obviously, you, you, you pretty much throw Brock Bowers into the, the equation as well. I mean, Brock is a tight end. I mean, he, he's a receiver. Uh, he can do it all. Um, I think it's the most versatile position in, in college football. I think it's the most versatile position in all of sports right now uh, and, and when it comes to, to, to football in the NFL and in college. So to have a guy like Bowers that you can move around, create matchups, I, I think it's amazing. I think between those three, I feel very confident about what they can do. And then you go back to just now the fact they get Stetson all year. They get to work with Stetson. I know Bauer's a little bit banged up right now, but come fall camp, he's going to get to work with those guys. And then hopefully Kyrus Jackson can get back in the form like he was a couple years ago, get healthy um, along with some other pieces. I think it's a – I have been outspoken about it. I think they've been very average. A lot of that has to do with obviously a lot of them being banged up. We've had a carousel of quarterbacks the past couple of years. It's hard to build chemistry. So that's in being there. That's in being the guy. And hopefully these receivers and tight ends being healthy. I think we could see a tremendous jump in the production in this offense next year when it comes to throwing the football. All right, so let's remind folks, uh, a lot of great stuff going on in the Players' Lounge, but in particular, what's going to be happening coming up, uh, G-Day weekend, the great golf tournament there on Friday where yourself, Keith Marshall, 
a lot of other former Georgia players a part of that, really raising money for a great cause, Bulldogs battling breast cancer. There's the big event at Silver Dollar, obviously the uh, big tailgate coming up there as well. Aaron, kind of remind us once again some of the stuff that uh, your members get a chance to be a part of as you head towards that weekend and how people who want to learn more about it or themselves can kind of get involved, how they can connect with the great stuff the Players Lounge is doing for G-Day weekend. Yeah, so just make sure you go to our website. It's at, it's www.theplayerslounge.io. You can always find all this on, if you just go to my social media accounts at Aaron Murray 11 uh, you can get directed to all those accounts to kind of get the latest updates and news. But, you know, we're really excited about the golf tournament uh, right there in Athens. Uh, like you alluded to, it's going to be benefiting um, Bulldogs Battling Breast Cancer and also the DGD Fund great. that some of our great players started up there at Georgia. Um, and then Friday night, we're doing an event at Silver Dollar. And then Saturday, we're doing a huge tailgate at Creature Comforts. We're bringing in a bunch of former letter, lettermen, guys like myself, guys like Champ Bailey, uh, Noshan Moreno, Savaris King. Like, we are bringing a lot of studs out there to have fun and interact with those who own these, uh, and these NFTs. So make sure you go out there, get one before the event is essentially your ticket to our community. That's all it is. Um, we're really excited to hang out with everyone and have a good time supporting our dogs. Yeah, so theplayerslounge.io, that's the website. Folks can find out how they can become a member, get the uh, NFT. As Aaron says, that becomes the ticket to engage uh, with the DGD Mafia tailgate and all the fun stuff that's going to be going on with all, all of that. A, a great chance to connect with some former Georgia players and be a part of a really fun weekend. Aaron, it's so good to talk some uh, dogs with you. Your insight's obviously valuable, and we love the stuff you're doing there with the Players Lounge now. Thanks for your time on the show. We'll look forward to hopefully getting a chance to speak to you very soon. Appreciate it, man. Y'all have a great one. Good stuff there from Aaron Murray. And by the way, as we're heading towards all of this with UGA, there's a lot of other uh, great stuff going on there as well. So uh, we'll continue to talk about that. But I also want to make you aware of some great things going on with the UGA Alumni Association right now there too, because the big day of giving is coming up. Aaron's a big Georgia alumnus. He's obviously proud of his degree from the University of Georgia. And so many other folks are proud of theirs there as well. Or you just love the fact that Georgia is a great asset to our state and represents our state so well across the world with the research that it's doing and all of the uh, great education educational opportunities providing for its students really setting up the world and our state to be a better place by the way in which folks are getting educated and trained there at uga and this upcoming week your chance to get a show to get your show uh, your support for that as a part of the day of giving because that's coming up on thursday you can join your fellow bulldogs in supporting the university of georgia it's a 24-hour day of giving where Simply the call is to everybody get involved and give what you can and show that support to UGA. If you want to go ahead and check out the uh, website for more on this, it's uh, it's gail.uga.edu. So if you're listening, let me say that again. I'll try to not speak 100 miles an hour. It's G-A-I-L, G-A-I-L.U-G-A dot E-D-U. Let's get ready for Thursday. That's when the 24-hour day of giving takes place. That's our chance to show some support for the UGA Alumni Association. They've been with us uh, here for a long time on our program. We love the big events they have going on. They always have a lot of cool stuff as we get towards G-Day this spring. No, uh, certainly uh, a great example of that there as well. So check them out online, G-A-I-L.U-G-A dot E-D-U for more information on that all right so as you might imagine our golden shoe submissions continually continue to be very heavily influenced by the slap heard around the world uh chris rock taking the blow from uh, will smith and really taking it like a champ for the most part i mean it's actually pretty amazing how well he shook all that off and the memes are flying fast including the official georgia account yesterday kind of getting involved in all of this i thought it was kind of a 
you know, you know, I thought they could have even been more aggressive if they wanted to, but uh, uh, they put out on Twitter the how many days with the national championship logo slapping them. Scott Green says whoever's running the official account won this one. And so the fact they're playing along and having some good fun with some of their longtime critics, probably a, a pretty cool thing there as well. So good job by Georgia football. And by the way, Speaking of how many days, how many days have been since those lousy, stinking Gators have won a national championship? They used to love countdowns like this. They don't like this one quite as much. 4,828 days. That's how many days it's been, UGA. How about the Gator Hater countdown? Dogs back in Jacksonville beating up on Florida again. 214 days from right now. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We'll take some of your comments here and remind you to check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, and plumbing electric needs. Speaking of plumbing, you know, if your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. So let's take a couple comments here coming from at UGA Troll on Twitter, which is kind of a funny uh, uh, name. On the subject of something that Aaron Murray said on the show today about Carson Beck and his arm strength and, you know, being, you know, the best thrower on the team. Uh, as Connor shared on social media, uh, UGA Troll says, well, JT Daniels was that too, but the coaching staff was adamant that was not the most important thing. He says, Brock Vandegrift is the future, and these headlines will be moot come post-spring. So a lot of folks think they have the quarterback thing figured out one way or another, and I guess you can count UGA Troll among those who are touting for Vandegrift here right now. Columbus Dog also weighing in on the subject of uh, the discussion from yesterday's show about repeating as national champions. And, you know, listen – I don't think there's any denying that that's obviously the goal that that you know Georgia as the national champion you know they step into the to the situation here for this upcoming year with a chance to go out and do all that over again and I do say and maybe this is what I you know you'd expect me to say maybe that is the case but I absolutely believe that Georgia is undervalued when it comes to being able to go out there and get that done for the upcoming season that george repeating as national champions is certainly quite a uh, possibility maybe even more of a possibility they're currently being given credit for now listen i understand why alabama would be a, a favorite over georgia right now on a neutral field when you think about what you know will anderson brings back what uh, uh bryce young brings back what you know the, the transfer players they add what they have the potential to provide i get why alabama is getting some accolades right now i understand that um but as i said before i'm actually pretty comfortable with where georgia is right now and i think for the moment georgia's a little bit undervalued uh my dog ryan weighs in to say why don't we do the golden shoe that's an lsu and a florida thing has nothing to do with us well we just first of all we like making fun of florida by the way uh, marco wilson (laughs) who has actually been pretty self-deprecating about the whole golden shoe thing i saw where he had a tweet the other day kind of using the will smith slapping meme saying (laughs) basically someone was like i may do this as the golden shoe i uh, was talking about how uh you know basically hey aren't you the guy that threw the shoe and he's like slap uh so even marco wilson continues to have some fun with this but ultimately the golden shoe is just a name of a thing i like to do to like it has sort of long since been whatever it started off being and some of you have jokingly said that sometimes it's like a good thing to win the golden shoe and other t- times it's sort of like a mocking thing it's like sometimes we give people a golden shoe for a good reason and sometimes we give people a golden shoe because they've done something bad uh there's really no rhyme or reason to it we don't have well-established canon when it comes to like what is and isn't a golden shoe it's honestly just something i like to do uh to have some fun at the end of the show folks send funny stuff to me i like to share it uh, on the screen or on the podcast and i just i want to work extra hard to make things fun when possible kind of light when possible you know 
college football, Georgia in particular is the type of thing we all take pretty seriously because that's you know a pastime that we enjoy engaging in. But finding a way to laugh at ourselves every now and then or laughing at somebody else when it's appropriate, I just kind of like to do that. And that's kind of what the Golden Shoe gives us permission to do there at the end of the show. Great to have all of you here today as part of the R.S. Andrews Cooldemics. You check them out online and find them there at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price. It's promised AC units. We're getting ready for that warm weather time of year. Spring is, after all, officially here. So uh, find them online, rsandrews.com, and get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs today. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.